In the world of floral design, there are so many heartfelt, genuine, educational podcasts. Is that when we're going to start listening to one now, or are we trying to make one? <laughs> well, I believe today's episode will be maybe a little bit I feel bit like more today's episode is going to be the most wholesome that we've had in some time, Joe. I think it's like this, 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 the 16-year-old me would not believe what's about to happen and who it's about to happen with. <laughs> I do kind of agree with you there because today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by, there's no way, Flora, you know, floristry royalty. Actual Flora royalty. Legend, Paula. Actual royalty, Paula Pride. Good morning. Paula, oh, how are good you? Good morning, thank you. That's very kind. Yeah. Oh, well, me and Matthew, we were texting a little bit beforehand, um, and I, the first text I sent when I woke up this morning, I said, "Can you believe?" I thought, "I'm fine, girl. I don't mind." I said, mm. "Can you believe we are interviewing Paula Pratt this morning?" I said, "16-year-old me would just have exploded mm-hmm. with joy if he knew that he was getting the chat, the chance to chat oh, to you today." That's so- that's so kind. I mean, um, very touched. And obviously, you know, I, I'm huge admirers of both of your work. And um, it's lovely that we can. Which, that, that in itself, the fact that Paula Pryke comments on things that I do and you send me messages and really sweet words all the time, it just oh. blows my mind. Because, yeah, 20 years ago, there's no way I would have thought that. And being Australian, you were very, very much the first what I would call visible household name florist here. Oh, thank you. Um, Interesting, I've never been to Australia. I mean, well, I have been to Australia, but I never came in the capacity as an author. Um, So I I wonder why that didn't happen, because I have been lucky to be invited all over the place. Oh, she's dropping dropping hints now, Joe. She wants (laughs) me to bring her to Australia. She she wants to do a tour. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have talked about that. But, um, um, yes, I mean, I was... Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky to um, get a book deal very, very early in my career. Um, you were young, was, young. when you had, How old were you when you had your first book deal? Well, I started my business in 1987. and uh, sorry, Okay, I was one. I was one. Okay. <laughs> I had a little <laughs> and um, um, a customer was a commissioning editor, basically. And so I... First did some flowers for nothing, of course, for a book on tapestry or something like that. And then I did, uh, um, I worked with her on a Christmas book, which actually Nigel Slater did the food. It was quite, a, and had all kinds of stylists and other people involved in it. And then, Oh, so really no one of note involved. <laughs> exactly. Just a very small. <laughs> it, was, it was the Miller's Guide to Christmas. That was Judith Miller, who still does um, the Antiques Roadshow and her husband that they parted. In fact, they were getting they were falling out as we were doing this Christmas book, which was, um, and, and she ran off with the editor. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But we're all still friends, funnily enough. But, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd sort of, um, I'd, I suppose I'd, I'd put some work in first and then the, this publisher came in on Saturday and saw the creations and said, would you like to do your own flower book? So that was how it started for me. So this was three years into starting a business that so I was, you know, it's terribly fashionable now to say, oh, you know, I just made it all up or, you know, I, um, you know, I just, um, you know, I'm self-taught or whatever. But at the time, I I felt that I hadn't, you know, put enough training in and, and hadn't had that apprenticeship at that because I'd done other things before. And um, so I, you know, I didn't, 
um, I was very guided by the publishers, really, and they told me what they wanted to put in 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 it, etc. And I tried to be. I'd, I'd, I'd done a Constance Bride course, and I tried to be as coming from being a history teacher. I tried to be put as much of an educational background into the book that I could, and make sure that everything was as accurate as possible, etc. Did you feel a little bit? Um, intimidated doing your first book or did you feel more like oh this is exciting I can do it because I know if I was only maybe three years into my journey I like I would feel incredibly excited but there'd also be certainly a little bit of a part of me that was like oh my gosh can well, I you, do this this is crazy you didn't call it that then but the imposter syndrome you mean <laughs> <laughs> yes a little yeah, yeah a little <laughs> um, yes, I, I, yes I did I, I definitely um, you know which I probably you know, and also it was, uh, I'd just taken a second shot when I, I was writing it and getting into all kinds of difficulties, um, you know, and financial as well. And, um, you know, uh, it was it was very stressful. Yeah, very, very stressful. What I didn't um, imagine, though, was it was going to change my life um, because I didn't realise it was going to get translated into all those languages and I didn't realise that I'd suddenly get known all around the world. So I, I hadn't really got any thought for that at all um oh my gosh that sounds absolutely magical did it open up your reputation and your floral world was you suddenly getting invitations to demonstrate or to teach or to travel i'm sure you the, the, the first time i went to demonstrate it was um at um san diego for their art live as it was mm-hmm. then and i was with kenneth turner who's the equivalent um, you know, um, stars in the eyes for me. You know, he was the, you know, <laughs> being such a leading light of floral decoration, um, and obviously the person everyone aspired to work with or know, etc. And he'd also done some books, and you know, I, he wouldn't, we wouldn't, he wouldn't fly out on the same plane as me, and we had all kinds of like funny things like. No, you're no, joking. It, it, yes, it was. It was. It was interesting. We had to be picked up separately and and things like that. But um, oh, it is hilarious. hilarious. But obviously, you know what? You know, like all those events, when you're all there together, it's it's fine. Um, and but I was so, I was so nervous about speaking and trying to do something at the same time that I sort of started doing a demonstration mm. style where there was I did a lot and and did it quite fast. Um, so to make it as as um, well I hoped uh, you know as attractive as possible and that that's sort of stayed with me but in, in time I haven't I've found the words if you know what I mean I'm not lost for words anymore <laughs> oh my gosh I think back to my first demonstration and trying to find the pairing of being able to do things and talk at the same time and try and be like mildly engaging the main memory I have of my first demonstration is just compounded silence from oh. the audience <laughs> as they were just <laughs> as they were just watching and I was trying to bumble through it it does take some time to get that but I bet you know it's one of those things that you you can learn so much from and take so much forward from um, and so many incredible experiences can happen when you're you know when you have the opportunity to show your work um, on you know to different parts of the world and especially Actually, I guess, and this is, you know, and certainly not an age-related comment in any way, but I guess back in like the 80s or the early 90s, images of your work and what your style was like probably took a lot longer to get round the world because there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't Facebook, you know, it wasn't like people could see a Paula 
a preg demonstration and then share it immediately to 10,000 people or something? Yes. I mean, I think, and I always say this, I mean, I, I, I was one of a group of 10 um, florists in London, and we were all working in our own little bubble. You know, we see each other at market, mm. and um, we knew other, we'd recognise the work, we'd see if someone else got the job that we'd quoted for, et cetera, et cetera. But we were all kind of uh, working to a high standard, and um, mm. and to be no, to be really honest, all the people that this group of people trained, you know, they're now working for the Tatty Roses, the uh, Amy Bones, the people who are out there, mm. Larry Walsh, whatever, all the people doing large events now. So they've got um, it's there's a sort of heritage coming through, um, which obviously now has lots larger budgets again than perhaps it did back in 80s and 90s um so um i mean shane shane connolly was one of them he was obviously he was even then still always trying to work you know with a very uh ethical environmental approach always wanting to buy english flowers you know that didn't change and if he if he someone came to him and showed an image of my one of my books or Jane Packer or another florist in London at that time, who would say, why don't you go and get your wedding done by Paula? There wasn't this same, um, <laughs> there wasn't quite this same, oh yeah, I'll copy that, that's fine, that's no problem, I can do exactly what you want and all that mood board wars as we call it now. Um, mood board wars, yeah. I love that. Um, yes. <laughs> so I think we were, in, we were incredibly lucky to have that period without all this i mean i know it's fantastic in lots of other ways but um and it's great mm. for social contact um and getting to you know mentor with people or getting you know some to, to getting closer to people you would find a lot harder to have done previously but um, mm. so i always think that, that was mm. it it wasn't just me you know there was jane packer who was also very well published um there was rob mm. van helden there was simon lysert there were um Stephen Woodhams, but he really went into garden design. There was there was a huge um, Paul Thomas, um, John Carter. I mean, if I haven't written them all down, so I'm probably going to leave someone else. And if you don't mind me saying, Paula, though, I, whilst you know the names you mentioned are definitely names that are you know well known within the UK and you know abroad, essentially too. Um, I would say that the I would say that your books, in my mind anyway, and I don't, Matthew may agree or disagree, mm-hmm. they really set you apart as. I would say, like the the edge the educator you were seen, in my opinion, as the educational authority on what you were doing because you were so brilliantly published. Like I was aware when I was, you know, I, I remember being started getting interested in floristry when I was, I think, 15, 14, 15. and I remember seeing books by you know Jane Packer and the odd book here and there by by other people. But what I remember feeling most of all was that you were very much the authority on the topic of floral design because you had published consistently and had essentially a library of wealth there for people to dive into. Um, Was there a particular desire to kind of, once you had done your first book or when you were working on your first book, did you, would you enjoy it so much or did something just click and did you think, oh, this is something that could be a bigger part of what I do? Or was it more of a gradual kind of process that, you know, maybe you finished book one and then there was an offer for book two and it just kind of maybe, was kind of more of a slower, more natural progression? Well, I think, uh, you know, the 
the, doing the books gave me the freedom to do what I wanted. You know, you never do what you want. You've always got clients and it's got worse. You know, it's like now people come to you and, and they show you some images of something that's actually diabolical and ask you if you can, rep- if you can. Yeah. <laughs> of course you can but you know why would you want to um so um <laughs> you heard it first from paula pride why would you want to? <laughs> um, it's so true though it's, it's so, so true. true isn't it and um yeah so so i kind of lost my thread then um so uh, so i enjoyed that freedom like i can just do what i want i'm not there's not i mean obviously i we'll talk about the budgets etc as well i'm sure but um mm. so I, I like i love that and then of course after the book came out i realized that it is a fantastic um pr opportunity and that's um perhaps where you get some of the money back on the effort that you put into it um Mm. Uh, but that was at a time when there was more um you know print media so it's all quite complicated and i think you know back then it was cheaper to publish than it is now the paper costs and all that stuff is a really big issue now and i what set my book apart Mm. from some of the others was that the my commissioning editor um put me into a studio with an advertising photographer so we did you know, we did stuff on Polaroid. We looked at it. We looked at it again. We did another Polaroid. We only did about four shots a day. Um, it was almost too slow. The flowers were dying. <laughs> it was that bad. Oh, was my good. gosh. Wow. Four, four shots a day, as in four clicks of the four, camera well, a day. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. So if we were going to do something, like, massive like that, you know, we'd, spend, yeah. we'd only do four of those. Whereas when I finished... Paula, behave yourself. That's crazy. So when we finished writing, when we finished, sorry, the doors are closing now. They're going. Right. Um, <laughs> when we, um, well, when we when I finished publishing, I was doing twenty shots a day, sometimes twenty five. You know, it was like it was like churning them out. Um, mm. You know what? I always I knew you were crazy. I knew it, but you've just confirmed it. You've just confirmed it. 25 shots a day. That is so much work to produce at a level that you can publish in a book. So like that that speaks so much about how good a florist you also truly are to be able to produce 25 shots a day worth of work that's, that's able well, to be think, published. I think my best books are my first books in, in honesty. I, I have that book. I have that book. That book was given to me as a prize for a competition I won as a novice at 14 wow. years old. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Gosh, that is crazy. Um, when it comes, Paula, I think then to kind of, it used to just, you know, quite an interesting comment to say you think your earlier books are your, you know, quote unquote better books, maybe. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Is you think you had maybe a little bit more time to dive into it, a little bit more freedom, maybe, or. What would you think with the um, Probably, it's a combination of things. Towards the end, I was asked to rehash photographs and make them into books because everything had got more expensive. So my last <laughs> fresh mm-hmm. book is um, the, the last one on weddings. I've done two on weddings, um, and that was all shot. Um, um, but basically, um, I think it was because um, they got more commercial, I think the first mm. couple of books I was allowed to yeah. do, they were more artsy and then went into a slightly mm. different realm. So I don't think it's 
and, and you know I've met loads of people all around the world and they want they want to know how to do a book and I know people that self-publish books particularly in America um and um you know floral books which is very expensive um and, and I never thought I never started thinking oh I've got so much to say on flowers I want to I've got a portfolio I want to put it out there they approached me and then I sort of stayed with the same publisher all throughout my time and um so it, it was a slightly different thing. I was sort of trying, I was working with the whole team. And, you know, the, when in the internet came out, they said, um, we want to do a book called um, Bouquets and Reeves because they were the most Googled up things that year. And I said, they don't go together, mm-hmm. though, Bouquets and Reeves. <laughs> anyway, we did. And that, was <laughs> one, uh, uh, that one didn't do very well. Going back to how you make money out of books, um. I was always told that you wouldn't make money, uh, you couldn't make money out of a book in the UK if, um, you know, you weren't on TV because there wouldn't be enough sales for it. So you had to have a lot of um, mm. co-editions. And I always had, early uh, in America, right. they published all my books and they were quite a long, quite a strong supporter. And obviously I sold a lot more books in the US than I could sell in the UK. Um, mm. So... I suppose, you know, one has always been part of that broader picture. So the first book sold a quarter of a million copies across. You are joking. Whoa. A quarter of a million yeah, but copies. Subsequent books haven't sold as well. So with my early books, we got into royalties, um, you know, because there were enough sales for them to start to pay me back. Royalty checks are quite small because... Uh-huh. You know, with an illustrated book, if you're if you're someone who's written a novel, you get I don't know a pound each book or whatever. That's that's quite different. The percentages are quite small on an illustrated book, and so that was never that great. But I haven't had royalties for probably ten years, maybe twelve. I am I'm I'm still kind of comatose at the fact that you sold a quarter of a million copies. That is extraordinary. I think that is absolutely, you, that is, you know, I don't want to, you know, come across as the world's biggest fangirl here, um, but that that's almost like phenomenon kind lot. of level. That's a lot of house, that's a lot of hands that that book's going into. Yeah, that, that I, n- never in my wildest dreams would I ever sell a quarter of a million that's copies. A, that's a wide reach. Yeah, that's incredible, Paul. That's, uh, that is absolutely well, it phenomenal. It's, it's that astounding. one should get translated, and, it, and the second one did. Um, that one, you know, got into J- Japan and other countries. Had a lot, mm. like yours, had mm. a lot of white backgrounds, so they were able to do it back to front. There's all kinds of other issues why whether books get published overseas. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, mine has got one co-edition coming out um, next spring, but only one. So, um, in a different language, which I was quite, I was kind of quite thrilled about. I was like, "Oh, that's very fancy," um, but only one because obviously the English edition was sold in, you know, Australia, yeah. New Zealand, America, you know, all the rest of it. Um, I will. I'll take Hardy Grant USA. Sorry, and they partnered with some with some logistics with Chronicle or something. I don't know. Um, we had very little to do with it though because it was already all kind of. It was kind of you know the publisher that I signed with, um, Quadrille. They had you know. It was, 
it already set up in Australia and in North America and all the rest of it. So it was kind of already kind of given that it would be published there. Well, but it didn't quite, it wasn't quite the smoothest rollout as promised, but it ended up, you know, it got there in the end, shall we say. Which country has back... taken the book then, just for interest? Oh, oh I was going to say, I thought it would be France or Italy, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so which is quite quite exciting to me because you know the sixteen year old and myself that could say bonjour ou est la plage is very excited at the idea of finding my book in some French bookshop sometime in the future. Um, so if I can maybe dive into your brain a little bit and for the benefit of some of our readers, if I bet you get asked this question all the time, you know how can you get a book published or how can you start, you know, on the pathway to kind of getting, you know, a, a book idea out there? Obviously, we're not all fortunate enough to have a commissioning editor waltz into our gorgeous flower shop and, you know, offer us a contract. So what would your advice be? Where would you kind of advise people starting out nowadays with looking to get their okay. work published? Well, interesting enough, I found myself a couple of weeks ago, um, at a dinner with a commissioning editor, not uh, my, my, basically my publisher retired. And I didn't think that my career was my publishing career would necessarily retire with her, but it did do because the company got, you know, how sold out, changed direction, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I haven't, mm. haven't got that contact. So I thought, Oh, and she said to me, this lady had previously published my books working for my previous, um, you know, and we talked about the books that she's been publishing that, related to flowers and how they weren't doing mm-hmm. particularly well, even though the people had quite strong or heavy followings on Instagram. So after um, mm. you sent me your little list, I um, went back to her and just said, you know, can I ask you a few questions about how this might happen in the future? Because <laughs> obviously, I, you know, one thing I have noticed is a lot of books have been published um, with people sending their own photographs in. So Ethan um, Small mm. did the Flower Hunter, I think, with uh, Lucy, and she it looks like they're all Instagram pictures. And I was mm. involved in the publication with um, Faden of their, their Bloom book, which basically a number of different people picked um, these floral stars mm. from Instagram. Yes, I, I I remember that book because I was omitted from it, so I do know. Oh, I'm sure. About, I, yes. I, I was, I was <laughs> oh, these people with poor taste that don't know what they're looking it at. Was, That's what I would say. Was, yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, I, I argued about that. I think they kind of covered it in the introduction because you know some of the people that were picked. They weren't, I said, you, you know, they're not florists, they're not floral decorators. It's just people making nice pictures with flowers, isn't it? Stylists. Or, it was yeah, a tricky one. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, f- interesting, going back just to doing my own books, what was enjoyable about them. Once I'd done them and then I'd, you know, um, had a lovely picture, a portfolio, then it it, it led me into more creative areas. Um to what we're mm. saying is happening now where we're all being dragged into less creative areas really and um, you know, someone actually asked my opinion about some flowers I was doing in in, a, in a, a job in November and I thought god that's a long time since that's happened you know when, do you think it would be better if we did this you know rather than can we do this? you know like you know overriding mm. what I thought looked better or yes yeah, so I find that, that there's still not enough um, care taken in, in in the opinion of 
of the expert, I, I don't feel, in, in, in a lot of areas, which is why I'm quite happy not to really be doing weddings because that's just, you know... Yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I, I mean it's one part of my business that i'm actively minimizing at the minute because i've really less and less interest in being told what to make and what people want and all the rest of it so i think there's something to be said for being able to follow your own creativity and your own creative path as opposed to just being a pair of hands to execute someone's you know sloppily put together instagram mood board or something you know you know i just had to do the flowers and then some really good photographer could take a picture and then we worked together and i enjoyed that i enjoyed the process of working with all those amazing photographers and um you know as time's gone on one can take a better photograph of your flowers yourself but um i i think that's sad um and she certainly, a commissioning editor said that, you know, because of the cost of paper and um, photography, et cetera, if, if someone is capable of taking a good set of pictures of their own work, they would get, they're more likely to get a deal because it would be cheaper. Yeah. You know, if you take other stars like um, Putnam and Putnam, they had that team, didn't they, where one of them could, was a, has had a great eye and the other one took the pictures and so their books did very well because they were presumably they came as a package um but i don't know i have met them but um but um yeah yeah i mean i i think there's definitely a bonus there in being able to have someone on your team who can you know articulate your vision really or translate your vision really really well so it feels very fluent uh, or it feels very much a part of what you're doing. Um, I like for me. We I wrote my book during the pandemic. We got the contract at the end of 2020 or the autumn 2020, and the whole thing had to be delivered by um, I think it was autumn 2021. How long did Sorry, you have that? To, to do the book? Uh, just under wow. a year we had, so about 10, mo- 10 months, I think it was. Um, and we were in lockdown for about six or eight months of that. We could only do one location shoot. So I, they, when we were talking about, you know, where we're going to shoot the book and photography, we couldn't hire anywhere. We couldn't go to any studios. We, everywhere was short. Um, so I actually used my photographer who is not a part of my team, but is a, a well, yeah, is a, definitely a part of my team, a contractor who I shoot with, you know, I, nearly every single week now um and that was the easiest way to do it because she was local you know we could film in or record and shoot in my studio um it was the only way to do it i think i think if i needed you know fabulous other photographers or certainly if i had to travel and hire studios i don't think i would have been able to get it done nearly all mine took two uh years and that allowed me obviously gosh to try and shoot in the seasons um Quite important for some mm. books um but i have done books where the shooting was only in six months and you had to fudge the seasonality of it a bit but um yeah i had to do that with we when we were shooting as soon as we kind of got the deal and signed and all the rest of it i was like we need to shoot autumn and winter now <laughs> like now we need, we need to do it because otherwise i'm not going to be able to do it um but luckily it wasn't too i think when uh, the type of book that i did we could get away with using a lot of all year round flowers and in some ways that was more beneficial because then people could translate the ideas and concepts into what they want to do but you know a little bit of seasonality i think is always important for people to be able to see you know the different tones and things that they can pull together um so if i can just maybe 
kind of talk a little bit more about if you were starting out, if you were kind of new to the industry and you were looking um, to kind of, you've got an idea, you've got a book that you think would be amazing, where would you begin? And in, in, as you mentioned, you know, Instagram following is so important. Was that something that your um, commissioning editor, friend or uh, contact spoke about as being a really key part of things to, to be able to be seen to have a presence or or a following yeah, to, to have a following and to um you know have either a youtube channel or to certainly be demonstrating or put, putting your work out there um definitely thinking about you know what's already in the market what what needs to be added um that's an, a key consideration um I mean, sales are important, aren't they? And and just Mm. going sort of back to, um, you know, previously books I did would run for years and years, and therefore they could get royalties. Now um, they might do a a 10,000 book run and then decide we won't print that again. So you could never get royalties. It's not even Mm. possible. So that's another. uh, Today's books are a little bit more throwaway, whereas maybe – books 25 years ago people were thinking about producing them in for a longer period of time rather than let's get on the new thing now sort of thing so that's a good oh t- totally i know i know i will i'll never receive a royalty yeah, for my book ever. That could. It's, it's, um I, I hoped i hoped that it would but i just the the size of the run they did i think they did about twelve thousand right. copies i think and then they then there's a co-edition that was you know picked up which was another I can't remember how many thousand copies but it was it it's not hundreds and thousands and when I looked at the numbers I was like there's no way I'm going to be able to recoup you know the costs of this on it um, but I remember when you know when we started looking in the summer of 2020 um, we wrote because obviously everything had shut down and we were I just wrote a big list of things that I could do with my time now that I wasn't running um, classes and a wedding studio and all the rest of it and traveling and all the things that I was doing um, we started off by looking very much for an agent so we put together um, kind of like a you know a rough proposal of what we were thinking of doing and a document that had information about me and and we got um we got some you know some really good feedback pretty much straight away we had a, you know about, i think about six or seven different agents you know express interest in representation and then i had meetings and talked to you know everybody and got a figure and the main thing that i be remember um was being just very shocked at how little money the, the, there was in the industry i remember one agent was like to me oh yeah you know you're you know the deal will be worth 8000 nine thousand pounds and i thought i'm i'm not doing this if this is what if this is standard if this is kind of you know what people are being offered for essentially a year's worth of work maybe more i thought i'm not going to i'm not going to do that luckily we were able to find a a more proactive agent and we got a deal you know three four times the size of that it was it was definitely more worth doing but it still wasn't still wasn't lucrative i would say put it this way i won't be rushing back to do another one anytime yes. soon well I, yeah i mean i i i can see why what by what people are producing that obviously aren't very high mm. um so um mm. I think the thing I notice about as well in books that people are producing at the moment similarly is that like like you were talking about before there's been a couple of books one published actually Reese, a few years ago by an Australian florist who it just looks like their Instagram mm. feed. There's nothing new or exciting. Like I feel like they've literally just gotten 
you know, a hundred pictures off their Instagram and then, and then poured it onto paper and put some, a few explanations into it. And I don't know that necessarily to me personally, that that feels like an authentic version of a book because an authentic version of a book is something that's really new and unique and beautiful and really well curated for the topic. So if it's a, whether it's a coffee table book or an educational book or whatever the genre of it may be as such, especially in our industry, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Like, did you go through a process with each book to kind of set the tone for what you were going well, yes. to I mean, uh, create? Before, we, uh, after a title settled on, then we do a breakdown of what's going to go in it. And then um, a summary of, uh, what, and if you were trying to put a book together, you'd need to have quite a lot of material to show to someone to prove that you've got a good idea, I think. Um, so, and, um, mm. um, but, uh, I mean, I, yes, it's, uh, you've got to really want to do it because you, it's going to be very hard to get, to get to that point and to get, even to get to anything. It's really quite hard. I mean, as you said, it's quite hard mm. to get, someone to um, be interested in uh, even representing you. Um, mm. I I just mm. felt it was it, it was difficult to, I think because I was already in business and I, I'm, because I'm not an author, author, I'm a, you know, very much a floral designer who felt they had something to offer in a book form. Um, I was kind of, when we were talking initially about, you know, what kind of book deals could look like, you know, how much work would be involved and the, um, you know, the, the time that would be spent, you know, what kind of, what kind of calendar would we kind of looking at, you know, how much time would it take to do it? When would it have to be delivered by? When would it come out? All the rest of it. I just remember comparing it to other revenue streams in my business and just being like, this is really going to take quite a lot of time and isn't really for that much money. But what I decided to kind of look at it as was maybe, in a way, maybe similarly to what you suggested your Facebook did for you. Maybe it kind of was a little bit of a marketing exercise and might be able to open some doors for you around the world, you know, maybe in places where, you know, people maybe haven't seen you demonstrate or they don't know you've won Chelsea or whatever. You know, they can pick up a book and just be captivated or, you know, intrigued by, by what they yes, see. Yes, I mean, I think certainly that, that that will be the case for you and that will be the case particularly in America where you go I mean so I can't, I can't speak for Australia sadly but you go and do a demonstration and you know you sell 300 copies of the book whereas you go to a demonstration in England mm. you might sell 20 copies of the book everyone will put it on my Christmas mm. list or something like that <laughs> so um, I think it is for you particularly because there's a lot of opportunity for you still to do lots of um, demonstrations in the US um, and that's, but that's, that's, it's all very well set up there for those events, isn't it? They're going to, they're going to continue. So I think you, it, it is, it is. There's like museums and art galleries and bigger places where you get to do really nice, you know, big demonstrations and things. I actually haven't had an opportunity to do one with the book yet because the book yeah. was delayed. So we didn't meet our <laughs> first, the first one, but you know, there's always, there's always plenty of time in the future for things like that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Paula, can I ask you out of all of the books that you have created, out of, 18 books in 13 languages do you have a particular favorite you know one or two that maybe you look back on that you're like oh that was wonderful for, for a certain reason um well one of my favorites is living color and um, because i shot that with david loftus who's the photographer mm. that um works a lot with jamie oliver 
And um, I, mm. obviously, colour is the most motivating part of the job for me. I mean, I obviously, flowers too. But mm. um, the fact that you can just keep endlessly choosing different palettes to work with, I think that's just, it's just, that's just so exciting. Uh, and that still excites me. Um, you know, when I see someone's work and you think, oh, that's really, that's a really interesting combination. Um, so mm. th- that one uh, wasn't necessarily, it was difficult, difficult to work because we did it all in daylight. And so that it would, and I think uh, I seem to remember it was like winter time. So we didn't get very long days. Yeah. Oh, short like, days. So yeah. that was the only headache yeah. of that. Um, but, but um so that's one. Um, I also enjoyed um, my latest um, wedding um, book um, because, you know, I've worked with a great team on that and we had some lovely locations and things like that. Um, you know, if I think so about doing bad. that again now, because <laughs> I've, got, I've got a much smaller team, really. When I was doing the bulk of my books, I mm. still had quite a large team because I had lots of retail, et cetera, and so... It was, you know, you could juggle stuff about mm. more. Now we're all working with more limited teams. I, I don't know how I'd do some of that stuff that I did before, especially on location, like you were saying. Oh, it, it's a it's a lot, isn't it? Like, it's a lot of preparation. And I think sometimes the, the general public or, you know, even other florists can look at an image and go, oh, it's pretty. And you think, just pretty? Gosh, that took so much work to pull together. I had to remake that three times and transport it in a van with someone holding it on their lap. You know, it takes so much effort to get Yes, and it's really pictures. hard to get... Um, obviously when you are doing lovely weddings it's it's you know you're doing a lovely wedding aren't you and it's really hard to make that into put that into a book and that, for all other reasons as well often they've got other um non disclosures things on them etc cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. and then and sometimes you know the um you know the people get in the way as well you know the real people at the wedding <laughs> you know, how how dare they don't they know this is a Paula Prague shoot? Exactly, Get out the always, way. It can be pretty complex. So when you're when you're pulling a book together uh, and you're deciding kind of what to include and what not to, uh, do you have any words of advice? Anything that you always always try to include? Or is there a, maybe a certain part of it maybe that you always kind of make sure that you have a little bit of I don't know, more time to reshoot things at the end? Is there anything that you found maybe particularly easy easy to shoot or some things that are maybe a little bit more difficult anything like um, that, that you can share gosh that's that's a, that's a long sentence <laughs> um, sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> I think sometimes it's it's because it if going back to I did two books on Reeves actually sometimes when you're just doing one you know one form that's good you can explore it in lots mm. of depths that's quite uh interesting um uh, I think, you know, when you think back to before you were all born, um, I used to have to go, you know, you can, can you imagine what it was like? I used to go to my publisher with a carload of books, you know, to try and determine what the names of these flowers were because it was before it was all out there, you know. struggling. Uh, people in the market didn't know what the flower was called. Mm. They made names up and, and I wanted to be accurate as I could well, still yeah. don't. back in the, those days it was like a whole week of just shifting through trying to work out well what is this one actually called it's <laughs> so bizarre now because you can look it up so easily can't you or you can just get the app and you know yeah. it's there it tells you what it is so that was 
that was always really important to me to make sure that I could be as accurate as possible because those were the days when not everyone could wasn't well it's still the same isn't it you know when you go out with hours mm. and do something people will stop you and say are they real because they don't see real hours in the same spot. <laughs> not that many people go into proper lovely gorgeous flower shops um so you know wouldn't you say about 75% of what we can call in on a daily basis, people aren't really familiar with, you know, because it's not. That's, oh, that's always absolutely. been you know, a concern. Of it's hard to say um, what's, I mean, it is easy if you, I mean, you do need to have a bit of a team with you. I think when you, if you're going to put a book together, because you need to, well, I, I need to have people to spar ideas against as well. I don't think, I don't work very well always just on my own. I mean, I come up with some ideas on my own, but I like to, I quite like the the process of discussing design with other people. Um, mm. um, there's definitely a big collaborative aspect, isn't there, to a book? I mean, I know for myself that there's certain things that I'm very interested in and I can be very incredibly passionate about those. And equally, I'm incredibly petulant. And if, I, if I'm if i not interested in something, I have no interest in exploring it. So I would often, on our shoots, be really interested in making you know the best piece of floral design that I could that expressed whatever principle or element or aspect that I, I was referencing. But then when it came, comes to the styling and to, you know, putting it, well, what backdrop shall we use? And what, you know, I've got no interest in that. I don't really care about the styling, if I'm very honest with you. I've, I've, I've done my bit. I've made an extraordinary piece of work. It's off to you to make it look incredible. And I feel that's where having a really good team comes in because you, you can mix and match different strengths, can't you? You know, people who really love the idea of styling around an object and pulling in a bit of fabric here and the right backdrop there. Um, it, there's a lot of power, I think, and probably a lot of many books, I would imagine, are, um, you know, it's not just the author's vision, is it? It's a, the author's vision in collaboration with everybody else who's yes. contributing too. Yes, and, and it, you know, if I always felt with a lot of the people I work with, particularly photographers, that it, we were that we were the equals on the job, if you know what I mean, rather than... Um, yes. But I don't know how that works today. But I think, you know, the, the white background approach that you've done, particularly if you're not interested in the styling aspect. I mean, I think some of the pro- some of the problems <laughs> with some of the Instagram accounts is it's all styling, isn't it? And, um, yeah, and also people, yeah. people mm-hmm. are so arrogant and they haven't really put the homework in that, you know, they think they've discovered the Dutch botanical style or something. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, well, there, there is a lot of that around and as somebody who was was and is a big purchaser of uh, floristry books I always remember appreciating your books because of the educational factor you know everything was all the botanicals were named there were sections on techniques sections on tools they were very much um, in my opinion anyway very educational books even though they were you know, gorgeous to look at and, you know, incredibly beautiful. And I do think that there are so many, not so many, but I think there is definitely a trend at the minute for books to 
kind of avoid the educational yeah. and instead maybe in self-indulge in oh well this is my style or I'm from East London and I'm a magician with a dead leaf like I have no interest in it really <laughs> like <laughs> do you know what I mean I want I want to see when I'm reading a book from someone I want I want everything I can from that book I want to know all about the inspirations and the technical aspects and you know how they put it together and what they were thinking and I kind of feel especially maybe since Instagram and social media has become such a big part of the of the floral industry I kind of feel that there's maybe a little bit more of a trend for people to kind of cut some corners maybe a little bit and that, that's one of my bugbears anyway well there was something that you'd said Joe when we were we were talking about the launch of your book is that you had hoped that how people's books would look in a year's time after they'd received it was full of mess and cold glue because they'd sat on the workbench and they'd been gone through a million times and people had, you know, taken their horrible (laughs) unwashed florist hands and flipped through books to look at techniques and things like that. And I've got, I've got books of Paula's that look like that. They look like they have swum (laughs) around Australia. Like they are on it truly. They're so well used and I've had them for so long. Um, And that's what it is to me there's a huge difference between a book that you flick through when you first get or you really look through it when you first get and you love it mm-hmm. and you can't wait to go back and look at it again and use something from it, whether it be a technique or you just love a yes. colour palette that's been chosen or something like that. I think that's also such a thing that sets apart a really good book. Yes, it's a, exactly. It's a recipe I, I book. Do, I remember it's, there's yeah. a couple of books which I've purchased over the past couple of years which are just humorous. Like I remember there was this one created by a, a British yeah a oh, British scissors. florist and it was it was <laughs> illustrations and it had no real information in and it was just and I looked at it, I thought who's made this who was who has thought this is a good idea what what is it for who is this for what is the purpose of this book um and you know you can say well maybe it's just for people who like quirky books or you know like I don't know, I don't know like looking at pictures instead of actually doing anything um I think you're yeah, or just or wasting, wasting your money. Quid. Yeah, on, there used to be a, a lot of like larger books yeah. available that you know, sort of a lot of the European florists. Oh yes, very, very expensive to make and very yeah, small print ones. Sure. I think. Yeah, well, I is that still a thing? Actually, I don't know. I, I haven't. I mean, I used to, used to buy those kind of books when you went to something like um, um, the Maids on an Obelisk show in Paris and things. But the publisher is still. Not the publisher, but the bookseller that did those books still around. So I have to find out that what's happened to all those, you know, those really. Yeah. I mean, I've got, uh, I, I have, yes. I mean, I when I've like you bought lots of books in the past, and I always used to love to, you know, reference some of the some of those books with really sort of a unique style. Um, um, mm. Paula, I mean, aside from my book, what are a couple of your absolute favourite floristry tombs that you just can't put down? Aside from mine, naturally. Do you have any? Do you, <laughs> do you have one or two that even that you, you just still, love I mean, and still I, reference I, to this day? Certainly, when I started, I loved Christian Tortue's style, and um, I do have a couple mm. of his books. Um, and again, he as and he would say if he was sitting next to me um, that you know he. He, what I, I was sort of forced a bit down the step by step route, um, and he wasn't, and he was given a more um, 
and he doesn't consider himself a very natural teacher, you know, although he has taught. Um, so they've they've got a bit more of the airy fairy in them. But I like the way that it's mm. it's very popular style now. But you know that nature slightly takes over from the design, um, which is I, I guess that's probably the most common commonly popular look at the moment, isn't it? To try, I mean, sometimes for me, mm. they go a little bit more to the wild and mess side than the design side. I like to see a bit of. I like to see that the, the design's still there. Mm. It, it can be a trend nowadays, kind of, to make mm. everything look like it's just come out of a hedge, um, which is fine. But you do want to see that it is a design. It's not just someone's dug up a patch of the garden yeah. and thrown it together a little bit. Is that? Yeah. Um... yeah. Gosh, if, if only we could name names. Ha ha. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, and if any well, other... Do you have any particularly like rare where, florist I mean, books I, in your collection? I think the Florette books are lovely. Again, because she, they're so beautiful because she's got so many... Uh, you know, and, she, oh. and they're so good at taking photographs as well, going back to partnerships that... You know, and but she's just growing so many astonishingly beautiful flowers all the year round, isn't she? I mean, um, that mm. uh, you know, that's. I mean, I think through the COVID era, everybody wants to be a flower um, grower and, and you know, farmer. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, you know, it's lovely to have a few things in the garden, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the idea of actually growing flowers to use as a florist as well is just mind-boggling, isn't it? It's just. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm going to offer something a little controversial here. Um, I feel that sometimes, if you are a flower farmer or if you're very much into that kind of scene, sometimes design can be less important sometimes, and it can be more about oh we grew this or we foraged this or oh we put this together, and that is a little bit of a bugbear of mine because in my opinion, if you're creating a floral design, then you know you you're working with design, and therefore you should be able to justify every aspect of your composition as to why it's got so many colours or why it's got this particular form or why you've chosen this technique, and I do kind of feel there is a little bit of an undertow sometimes in floristry that oh because it's so foraged oh because because it's so sustainable, um, then it can look a bloody mess and it's fine. And, I mean, that will be on my tombstone. It's no, not fine I'm, if it looks a bloody mess, thank you very much. It still needs to look decent, yes, you know? Yes, I mean, um, one has to take some claims of this sustainability and the foraging with a pinch of salt, I think. Mm. And I'm sure they're not... I'm sure they're charging for not a good price for it. There's a lot... Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's become very difficult... And you're very good, Joe, at um, always being very sustainable, etc. And I mean, I, if I look back on my career, I, you know, I'm, we always tried to make things uh, either by hand tying them and, and putting them in water. We, I didn't really use floral foam that much in my career. There might have been mm. a little period in the 90s when everything went a bit angular that we used a lot more floral foam. And I certainly used it in the books because it was a technique. Um and if there's one thing I have to say mm, now when I mm. people join my online course, you know, this was made before, you know, <laughs> I stopped using floral foam, basically. <laughs> and I, I think I'm going to have to pull it because it's it, it's not really representative of how I work with something at the moment. Um, but, you know, Paul, at the same time, you know, I started out in floristry when I was about 14, 15 years old, which was, 
gosh, like 2002, something like that. And back when I was in, as I, you know, I share with my students all the time, that back when I started out, sustainability was never mentioned. I never remember a single tutor of mine saying, don't use floral foam, use this, don't you? It was not really part of the Zika, it's part of the conversation um, in floristry or kind of maybe in the wider world. And I think if you're in anything for long enough, you know, you're going to see trends and things change. And it's a good thing that we are moving, I think, towards sustainability. I just think we also need to bear in mind that it's also about design as well. Otherwise, you know, what are we all doing? Just, you know, arsing around with bits from the mm-hmm. garden. Doesn't get us anywhere, you know? So that's my that's my, my personal bugbear anyway. Yeah, um, but also I, I, another personal bugbear is the fact that um, faux flowers have had such a lot of presence and, um, again, they're not very sustainable either, but um, there you go. How do you feel then, Paula, about after publishing 18 books in 13 languages, which is, you know, kind of incredible. It is, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's an achievement that I don't think will ever be matched by another floral designer. I I can't see it happening. Um, Is there a book that you haven't written yet that you would love to write? Is there one that maybe is just, I don't know, at the fleeting edges of your imagination that you're thinking, hmm, or maybe there is something coming up that you're working on that you're thinking, oh gosh, what would, what would I love to do? Is there one more book that I would love to do? What would that Um, be? Well, obviously, I would like to do that because it would. I would like to go into that experimental stage again. You know, when you can just make something for yourself. Really, I mean, I can do that anyway for Instagram or whatever. But you know, it's more meaningful if I put it together <laughs> in a book. I mean, I think you know, I, 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 I. So I would. The answer to that is yes, and um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've got. She's still got a couple I think of that books does happen to people in in um you know it happens doesn't it in in to chefs as well you know they, they, they it's just it's just the new ingredients isn't it so there's always there's always that with the new the, the new varieties of flowers etc and then and it's the same as um you know disney remaking yes. yeah. animated movies into real life movies you've got the original you know you've got the the foundation of the story and the beautiful um picture from you know another era and then you recreate it as such it's the same story and the same talent it's just created with different um a different point of view a different um landscape and outlook yeah. and yeah like you said it's, different it's, varieties everything does colors move and along, textures that it? we didn't have um, back and then. It, but everything is also i look back at the images of my first book and think that we're not so far from there again now and you know, as you know, in this in in the UK, uh, or maybe now because of Instagram, um, you know, you don't um, the, the sort of the work of someone like Gregor Lesh doesn't get the same prominence of some other people because it maybe doesn't photograph as well, or it needs to be seen to really appreciate it. Or would you do you agree with that? Or um, yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly do. Like I can see, I, I think of so many designers and Greg was a great example of things that like I have literally seen it too with my own no, eyes where I mean, it's been like. No, I think that, that's one of the reasons that like sort of style of photography hasn't been, it's been misunderstood, I'd like to say. That's, that style of work isn't necessarily commercial either. So that's I think that's a big a big reason of 
why it doesn't necessarily <clears throat> translate to the public. So I think the more design-led you can go, and especially in the case of a craftsman like Gregor, the more technical that you go, the more alienating it can be for the general yeah. public to understand what you're putting together. I remember when I was 21 and I was studying in Bad Nunar in his garden, and I remember thinking... Uh, having like an existential crisis thinking what am I looking at here is this art is this you know uh, is this um is a sculpture because this no. would not sell in Liverpool where I grew up no no one's going to purchase this and where does this fall on the scale of art and design or is it you know is it craft you know what are we what are we actually looking at here and I think that's one of the wonderful things about floral design is and there is um our world is so vast you have people who do you know huge commissions that are very much considered art and then you have people who do um you know bouquets on a market stall and it's still using the same medium it's still using the, the medium of botanics but just sculpting it into whatever form um it, it's desired to be and i think for example someone like gregor he is first and foremost a, a gardener and second a craftsman and he's all about the technical expression of all of these amazing um, hands-on techniques, you know, but equally there are florists in London or, you know, any, any major city that will have thousands more followers and make thousands more uh, revenue, you know, than, than he will. And it's, it's a case of which route you want to follow, I think, and what, what expression mm -hmm. is truest for you. It's all the same stuff, isn't it? I think it's just it's how how you pull how you pull it together, really. You know, one of my, one of my favorite designers <laughs> is Ellie Lin from Taiwan, and I've yeah. got a couple of her yeah. books. Um, they're one of my like most prized book possessions. They're absolutely incredible. Um, and you know, most of the majority of her you know artistic work, sculptures, installations, the general public would look at and go, "What is this? It's mental. It's bonkers. It's you know, it's it's so it's so out there and takes so much time. And you know, it's a million you know seeds." glued into form or it's a million miniature branches three centimeters long wired together to create like some sculpture um but then she also has a ton of flower shops where you can buy a bouquet yeah. for 50 quid well also i mean i've you know? been quite intimidated when i first met gregor for the first time in um, mm -hmm. in san francisco actually but i mean he he he's someone you can have a conversation about you know what's commercial and what's not commercial and he's not judging anyone either who goes down mm. other routes is he he's just um yeah, I, I, there's no really room for judgment when it comes to artistic yeah. expression or commercial expression or whatever express your your own personal expression. No one's, I don't think, no one's better. Nobody is better than anybody else. Whether you, you know, design, you know, whether you're you consider yourself a fine artist and you yeah. do installations or you do sculptures with leaves or whatever, or whether you're, you know, an Ikebana expert or whether you're selling bouquets on, you know, a, a high street flower shop or a market store. It's all the same material. You know, it's just different expressions of how we pull it together. Um, and that's what makes our world so rich, I think, is that the creativity can be shaped in True. a million different ways. Well, Paula, thank I have to say thank you so much for the generosity of your time today. I know we've kept you well over what, time is it what we Australia? asked for you. Uh, ooh. Wow. It's half past six. It's half past six in the evening. And both of my dogs are—they're sitting across the table from me at the moment, looking up at me. It's such a pleasure, and um, we'll leave lots of information below for people to find out more about Paula and where she is up to with all of her very okay. exciting Thank you. projects. Thanks Thank so you so very much. Bye. Bye.